Welcome to the Swamp Flicks Podcast. My name is Brandon Lede. I'm Brittany Lombas. And I'm Hannah Rassanen. And we are recording separately in our own homes today, because uh, I finally caught COVID. God. What, two and a yeah. half, three years Wait, into this thing? so this, was your fr- this is the first time you had COVID? Yeah. Oh, wow. I think I know exactly when and where it happened. Uh-oh. Uh, <laughs> I was getting pretty relaxed with wearing my mask, and I had a nice day out in the general public. We went to the Noma and mm-hmm. out for a fancy meal, and uh, three days later, I, yeah. The world punished It finally you. caught up with me. Gotcha. Yeah. I, I feel it lurking for me, because everyone I know that never got it, got it, and yeah. um, you're in that group, Brandon. Uh, and i'm like who else so you know i I know it's coming so um i'm gonna prep and i want to thank all the covid folks that have talked to me and given me advice for the moment i'm about to have (laughs) it's coming i mean i'm vaxxed and boosted it's not so bad like i had bad fever and cough and stuff for days and days and i'm tired all the time but like i don't know i never like feared that i would run out of breath uh so good that would freak me out and i never lost my sense of taste either which was really like the oh, nightmare yeah. version yeah. of covid i was worried about well, yeah because some people like they would lose that sense of taste but for a long time like it it wasn't yeah. like covid's over with the virus is gone it would linger right for a couple of months yes yeah, so that's great news I've been relying on ice cream to relieve my sore throat uh, mm, all week. Amazing. So, like, imagining not being able to taste that ice cream just sounds cruel oh, and yeah. upsetting. Just like cold sludge in your mouth. <laughs> I had some shortness of breath problems, but I feel like I got the worst fever from the COVID vaccine. Really? Yeah. It, my I had a fever of, like, 102, the second oh one. Um, but I'm still glad that I got vaccinated and boosted. Right, right. Because yeah. all of um, that good stuff protected me in the future. So I don't know. I don't know exactly. if anybody hasn't gotten vaccinated yet, but like it's still a good oh, record. God, yeah. Go get the damn vaccine. Go get it. So this is a relatively short episode because of this last minute change in format. We're only going to talk about one movie today instead of three Ooh. or four. But before we get into... Our selection. What have y'all been watching lately since the last time we talked? So I was talking a little bit before we started about how I'm like getting really into movies with uh, tax auditors and tax collectors. (laughs) So I recently saw this movie called Exotica, um, directed by Adam Egoyan, who I believe is uh, from Canada. And it's about this um, strip club called Exotica. It was uh, directed in 1994, and it features a depressed tax auditor that goes to this um, strip club every night. He's particularly um, obsessed with this one girl, Christina, um, who dresses up like a schoolgirl, but they seem to have it's not like a predatory kind of relationship. There seems to be something going on with him. He has some like unresolved trauma and grief. Uh, the movie also features a um, jealous DJ who's also obsessed with Christina. Um, very creepy, weird um, guy with uh, um, very long, uh, dreamy introductions for all of the girls. Um, also features a man who is smuggling rare birds out of different countries 
and a um, pregnant, the pregnant strip club owner who is in a kind of relationship with the DJ. Um, so this movie is like very lush, kind of strange and sexy. Um, and it, uh, it's really mediating on grief and like transactional relationships. And I just, uh, I thought it was really interesting. And, you know, I think there's even more, there are even further depths to plumb um, with uh, tax auditors as a central character. Big year for tax auditors. That's right. Between uh, Everything Ever All at Once and uh, Strawberry Mansion. Exactly. They're having their day. <laughs> Finally. It's long yes. overdue. <laughs> so I'm going to be honest. Like, if, you, if I were to be asked, you know, hey, Brittany, what does a tax auditor do? I would say audit taxes, and I have no idea what that means. So I need to get into the tax auditor uh, corner of film. That's right. And educate myself. I can tell you in this particular film, um, the tax auditor gets into the affairs of this uh, pet shop owner slash rare bird smuggler, and he's like, Man, I know you're smuggling birds. I can tell. Like, I'm looking at all your documents. Your shit is a mess. And then he gets this guy to... He actually... So he gets, like, kicked out of the strip club because the DJ kind of tricks him into touching the stripper that that he's um, been seeing every night. So then he kind of like blackmails this rare bird smuggler into going to the strip club and like asking the stripper about, you know, why the guy was kicked out and why he thought um, he touched her. It's a very, it's a very interesting movie. But in this particular case, that's what the tax auditor is doing. He's like, all your stuff is fucked up, Birdman. Wow. <laughs> okay. God. That, that's just a beautiful, beautiful plot. Um, yeah, <laughs> is this streaming somewhere? Like, how are you, it's, did you watch this? It, I uh, it was just added to the Criterion collection, and it is streaming on there. So, just if you have the Criterion channel, you know, just flutter on over there. I will say, in um, Strawberry Mansion, they they use the uh, tax auditing thing like pretty seriously, where like you watch them itemize, yeah, uh, objects uh, and put assign a value to them. Even though it's like a surreal movie. Yeah. Strawberry Mansion, I think that was like a little, it was just like a smidge too twee for me, but I really loved that aspect. Like just the idea of trying to quantify and monetize dreams and all that, you know, it's like that, that very, unnatural impulse of humans is very interesting to me and i love like the impossibility of it so yeah i i really like strawberry mansion too honestly i'm wondering what the most tax auditing on screen representation (laughs) there is like you know what brandon i don't know but i'm gonna find out and i'll report back (laughs) you're gonna audit the tax (laughs) auditor film collection exactly i'm gonna do it i'm very excited so, Brittany, uh, what have you been watching? So, for the past, like, maybe two years, I've been on the hunt for two movies. Um, both of these films are super hard to find. They're not streaming anywhere. And it's almost impossible to find a copy on DVD. If you do, it's like a million dollars. Those films are Sling Blade and 
Torch Song Trilogy. Oh, man. I saw Torch Song Trilogy on HBO Max like last year. Oh. And I really wanted to do it for Movie of the Month, and it just disappeared. It before disappeared we ever got it. off the face of the earth. Yeah. It is terrifying. So I have all these alerts on like eBay and Mercari that are set up to like notify me if either go on sale (laughs) and I got an alert a day before my birthday that a copy of sling blade (laughs) was listed for like 15 bucks and I have never purchased something so fast. (laughs) (laughs) So sling blade came in pretty quickly and I immediately watched it. Now I watched this movie a few times, like when I was way, way younger, like probably like late 90s. And I just remember like this guy eating mustards on biscuits and John Ritter was in it. So I've been like, like, oh, God, I remember really liking it. What was, you know, just that curiosity it like kept me going to find this film. Um, and I watched it and I liked it a lot. I liked it um, probably more than I remember liking it. Maybe now because I'm a little older. Um, but have either of you guys watched Sling Blade? I mean, when I was a kid, well, I just remember um, I, I remember some copy. of the like <laughs> cringe humor lines of like him at dinner saying like "not funny, haha," and uh, mm-hmm. how much he likes French fried potatoes. Yeah, French fried uh, taters. Like yeah, I remember a lot of like the sound bites of like just that performance from Billy uh, Billy Bob Thornton, Billy Ray. Billy Bob Thornton. Oh my yeah, my my recall is gonna be really bad today. <laughs> uh, by the way, I'm sorry. It's okay. I love it. So I I don't think I've ever heard of Sling Blade. Oh, <gasps> let me tell you a little bit about it. I'm gonna tell you a little bit about it. Okay, give me the scoop. The Sling Blade scoop. So this is a film from 1996. Um. It was written and directed by Billy Bob Thornton, and it stars Billy Bob Thornton in a leading role. Um, This was based off of, like, a I want to say it was like a one-man play that he wrote way back in the early days of his career, and it eventually became a short film, and then it eventually became this movie. And this movie kind of, like, went under the radar when it came out a little bit, and out of nowhere, it just blows up. I think it was like nominated for multiple Academy Awards in different categories. Oh. And I, I don't know, like when I think of Billy Bob Thornton, other than um, sharing his blood vials with Angelina Jolie, it's this <laughs> mo- it's like this movie is the first thing that comes to my head. But the movie basically uh, follows Billy Bob Thornton as Carl. Um, Carl has like an intellectual disability and he is the movie starts out whenever he's sort of in this mental institution and we kind of pick up that he's there because he um killed his his mother and her boyfriend using a sling blade and this also takes part place i'm sorry place in like the south so it's Mm -hmm. that very like you know southern southern tale little mystery to it but anyway so you find out that you know he's murdered his mom and uh, her boyfriend and the state deems him um, harmless. And then he is released from this institution with like kind of nothing. So he just kind of walks to his, the town he grew up in and orders a plate of uh, French fried potatoes as he calls them French fried taters. And 
he eventually like runs into this young boy. He befriends the young boy and also uh, the young, young boy's mother allows him to live in their shed and um, he befriends the mother, the young boy and her mom's uh, boss and friend who's played uh, by John Ritter. He's a, a homosexual character. So I think that might be the first, the only gay character I remember John Ritter playing. Wasn't he famous for playing a not gay character on Three's Company? Yeah. That was like his cover for Living with the Two Women, right? Yes, yeah. So he was a fake gay, <laughs> not gay, and then also gay. Um, <laughs> but this was, I think, the last role he was in before he died, if I'm not mistaken. Well, anyway, um, Dwight Yoakam plays an abusive uh, boyfriend who lives with the little boy and his mother. He's horrible to them. And then we start to learn that, like, Billy Bob Thornton's character, Carl, was heavily abused as a child growing up mm-hmm. and had to do some horrible stuff and just didn't really have a good upbringing. So it's sort of like he kind of really, he well, he really cares for the boy and his mother and kind of tries to do what he needs to do to protect them. And uh, Dwight Yoakam's character is just a freaking monster. He's like horrific. And yeah, it's just, it's sort of this interesting plot where you kind of question it's like you sympathize with his character even though his character like murders like in this film multiple times mm-hmm. it's sort of like you have to kind of think it's a uh, i don't know like what is good versus evil how does that play into this situation and it's also just like one of those fun old school kind of trashy southern tales mm. um and he one of his favorite treats in this film, little treats to eat, is uh, mustard and biscuits. So it's always fun. I just get so uncomfortable thinking about it. Like, I feel like there's like all these like catchphrases and like sound clips I'm hearing from him doing that voice the in the movie. Yeah, he goes like, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah, mustard, fried potatoes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's very quirky in a way that i think is supposed to be funny sometimes mm. but he's also playing someone with a mental disability and then he's got that deep southern accent too i don't know yeah. it, it's just uncomfortable Complex. It, it was <laughs> <laughs> you i yeah so i totally get that too i think that's like i was kind of afraid of like revisiting this movie just because i knew like that was gonna you know be a part of it i don't know i guess like I just felt super sad throughout the whole movie. <laughs> yeah, it sounds dark. Yeah. It's 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 darker than I like remember where I don't know, I just I can't get a read on the mood of this movie. It seems very complex. It kind of gave me the same vibe of uh like not as funny as Fried Green Tomatoes, but on the the more serious mm. parts of Fried Green Tomatoes. Yeah. I gotcha. That sounds right. Yeah. A lot of southern kitsch. Yes. Oh, love southern kitsch. Kitsch magnet. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that is Hannah's name in the chat. Yeah, sorry. That doesn't <laughs> make right any now. sense to anybody. Who, uh, that's for people just, in the Discord only. That's right. That's, that's an inside joke. <laughs> so, yeah, that's the, the big thing I've been watching. Um, so how about you, Brandon? This week I've been watching a lot of movies, or all the movies, actually, directed by Donald Kamel, who over, I think, like three decades only directed like four movies. This is because we're watching his movie, White of the Eye, for our next movie mm-hmm. of the month. Mm. And he only had three other films. So I was like, I, c- I could blow through those pretty oh, quickly. Yeah. The more 
esoteric ones are probably more worth talking about on a podcast because mm-hmm. like just they haven't been discussed to death like Ooh. he did this movie with, with nicholas rogue called performance um where like mick jagger is this like retired rock star who ends up like housing this this very uptight male gangster and like breaking down his personality and like making him more of a bohemian free-flowing mm. bisexual type uh, and then his last movie was this erotic thriller with Christopher Walken and Anne Heche that's like really unhinged nice. um, called The Wild Side. Wow. But the one that like really surprised me was Demon Seed, which is his like most famous movie. I thought I would hate it and I really liked it. Mm. Ah. It seems like Brittany would have seen Demon Seed. Maybe I'm wrong about that. I think I have it on my watch list. I The cover of it, I just remember like a being a shadowy nude woman but yeah. I, I have not watched it but i i know it's on tubi the premise of it is uh very gross especially mm-hmm. for a movie from the 70s like i expected it to be extremely rapey uh-huh uh it's it's about this woman whose husband is like an inventor and he invents this like ai that's supposed to run a household like an automated house wow and him and his wife are getting divorced and he leaves her alone in the house with the AI and it basically goes hell 9,000 on her (gasps) and like basically shuts everyone else out and decides it wants to impregnate her with a human AI hybrid baby. What? That's wild. For a 70s film, I really expected it to focus on the like physical impregnation part Mm -hmm. in a way that was going to be very unsavory. Yeah. But, uh, it ended up just being about that without really like doing it. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Like, uh, interesting. All of the violence is sort of sublimated with, or, um, supplanted with uh, these like retro computer graphics. It becomes very abstract, and like the computer's like, "I can't touch you like a man." Wow. Uh, but he like shows her his computer world through wow. this like trip out sequence that goes on for like fifteen minutes. Wow. And it finds a way to physically harm other people that aren't her. But it's not like a, you know, a lot of 70s genre movies are like really hard to watch. Mm-hmm. Um, and reading this premise, I was like, oh, God, it's going to be awful. But it ended up being this like movie about male entitlement and oh. the surveillance state and uh, sort of that like misogynist uh, argument that like men are more rational and women are more emotional mm-hmm. and like one being superior yeah. to the other. And then ultimately about like, forcing this woman to carry a child that she doesn't want um and it all like takes it all very seriously and like uh even though it has very retro computer graphics stuff going on and like the Mm -hmm. premise is obviously really over the top Mm -hmm. it's basically just a woman versus a house uh wow it really was a lot to think about yeah (laughs) man that that sounds absolutely great i so want to see this this sounds like sounds like a good like double feature with the film Smart House from Disney. <gasps> Disney Channel movie. <laughs> yeah, or like Peg Bundy. Is it Peg Bundy that's like part of the Smart House? I um have not seen that film, but yes, from the poster, I believe yes. So. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um I will say if you're interested in how White of the Eye is shot with all those like weird cuts of just like random images sort of thrown in. Demon Seed has the least amount of that. Oh, that's my favorite thing about White of the Eye. <laughs> Performance is like almost all that. Like it's oh. so aggressively edited that it's borderline incoherent. 
Um, <laughs> and then what's the other one? The Wild Side, his like erotic thriller, um, has a lot of the same feeling as Wide of the Eye, which is kind of like half a slash or half an erotic thriller mm-hmm, already. Uh-huh. So I don't know. Demon Seed, like it's almost on its own, separate from the rest of his work. But they all have this like kind of weird mysticism about them, and mm-hmm. a lot of like uh, War of the Sexes aggression. Yeah. Uh, like very like men versus women psycho sexual stuff going on in all those movies. Um, I don't know what was going on with that guy. He apparently committed suicide very young. None of his work feels like settled. Right. <laughs> it's all very um. Yeah. It's all very unsettling and like mm-hmm. kind of like self conflicted and just odd. So I don't know if you like Wide of the Eye. I, I would recommend looking around some more. Cool. They're all very good. I guess. <laughs> it's kind of fun watching Wide of the Eye. I was like, this is great, question mark. Uh, I like it. It's a very strange it's film, yeah. Fantastic. Yes. Brittany's willing to put a much yeah. um, stronger punctuation. There's, yeah, there's no question mark <laughs> over there. That's an exclamation. <laughs> Nous aimerons la vie en cachette. Nous nous garderons de bâtisseries. So we did a little scrambling the other day to find something to talk about this week. Um, I think this came up because Brittany said you've been watching a lot of like 80s fantasy movies with your friends. Is that right? Yes. What were y'all watching? So... Me and two, uh, two of my buddies had like a grown woman sleepover, and <laughs> at the grown woman sleepover, we wanted to um, watch like '80s fantasy movies, and this started with uh, Willow because their Netflix is coming out. Netflix or Disney Plus, like one of those is like making a Willow mini series, and we're like, well, we should probably rewatch Willow, get prepped for this, and we did that, and then. <laughs> From that, which it's such a such a good movie. Well, from Willow, then we're like, oh, we should watch Legend 2, which is like another like fabulous fantasy movie that like really flies Legend. under the radar. Yeah, it's awesome. Like it's so chaotic in so many parts that it doesn't need to be. Like in the beginning, I just feel like it moves at like a hundred miles an hour, <laughs> which makes it so much fun. It's got like a great glitter sheen over everything there is glitter on on everything but it's real glitter that's the thing oh yeah it's on everyone the real glitter is on like you know the devil it is all over tom cruise it's on every animal and puppet like it it is just (laughs) glitter everywhere what are some other like movies in that realm because i was thinking like lady hawk well oh that'd be a good one well after that we watched the never-ending story um classic and there's there's three of those (laughs) <laughs> but I think like after that I, and then I would of course like probably we stopped there but I'll, I think like then would have been like you know your labyrinths and your, right. all your Jim Henson stuff and, and yeah, then the dark crystal dark crystal storyteller and then you like keep moving and then you end up watching the witches <laughs> you know like Great that's one. the route that I would go <laughs> in the company of wolves another one yes Prince, princess bride fall into that oh yeah i feel like i derailed you a little bit because i I, uh ended up suggesting something from a decade earlier (laughs) Uh, but it's also a fantasy film yeah and it 
I guess a little bit like Legend has like a very intense set design. Yeah. Uh, sort of like selling the magic of the piece to you. But it was a movie that Hannah had brought up a, a couple months ago as uh, something you really enjoyed uh, watching recently. I had. So I think I just stuck it on my list um, because of the Criterion Challenge, which I try to do every year. I'm like way, way behind. But it was it's a Jacques Demi film. Uh, he also did The Umbrellas of Cherbourg and um, The Young Girls of Rochefort. So, you know, I, I love both those movies. So I wanted to kind of um, put this one into the fray. It's based on a fairy tale by written by Charles Perrault. So Donkey Skin is about a king and a queen and their young daughter who live in a uh, very blue kingdom. Um, they have a donkey that uh, shits gold and jewels, and that's how they get uh, their wealth. It's extremely convenient. Um, but uh, the queen dies one day, the and she makes her husband promise that he will not marry remarry until he finds a woman who is more beautiful than she is then she dies she's kind of buried above ground in this like um christmas ornament huge glass bauble filled with uh flowers and then um the king kind of like doesn't want to see the daughter again then later his court is asking him to um remarry he says he won't remarry until he finds a woman uh, more beautiful than his wife um, his former queen. So the court is bringing him these like paintings of all of these princesses. And he's like, ah, she's ugly. She's depressed, like bored, you know, whatever. And then they, he gets to the final. Um, oh, and I'm sorry. Um, the princess is played by the beautiful Catherine uh, Deneuve. And she starred in a lot of Jacques Demi's films. Anyway, she, he gets to the portrait at the, like the bottom of the stack. And he's like, oh, this woman is so beautiful. Her neck is so elegant. Who is she? And the court is like, that's your daughter. And he's like, oh, well, I must marry her at once, obviously. So she's really conflicted about this. She gets advice from her fairy godmother who, like, the fairy godmother advises her on ways to kind of um, keep, like, suggestions for these impossible tasks that the king can't possibly fulfill. Um, she tells her to ask the king to make her dress the color of the weather and then the color of the moon and the color of the sun. Um, he accomplishes all of these things. And then finally, the fairy godmother tells her to ask her father to skin their donkey um, and bring that to her as, as a dress he does this, and then um, the princess escapes into the woods. And then there's the, that's basically the first half of the movie. The second half is like a romance plot. The, the princess is living alone in this dirty little hamlet, and she is discovered by a prince, and they fall in love. So I've seen this movie. I watched this movie again, and I just love it more the second time. Like, I fucking love this movie. It, it is absolutely gorgeous. Um, it's pretty irreverent. There are some, like, there are a lot of anachronistic aspects of the movie. Like, for the most part, everybody is wearing these, like, 17th century French gowns. And then the fairy godmother is in this, like, uh, bias cut dress from, 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 like, the 20s. And she's, like, really sassy. 
She keeps ta- she talks. And she references batteries. Yeah, she talks about <laughs> batteries, and then the princess is like, "What's a battery?" She's like, "Oh, never mind." So I was I actually read the Charles Perrault story. And the princess in the story is like, I really don't want to marry my dad. How do I get out of this? And she talks to her fairy godmother. And it's like, kind of, the princess's reaction in this movie is kind of funny. She's like, I don't know. I love my dad. I don't know if I should marry him or not. And then the... Like, she's not automatically like, hell no. She's like, should I? She's Uh, kind of into it, actually. Right. There's one scene, when he makes her the moon dress, she's like, Ah, my heart is full of love. I'm ready to marry my father. (laughs) And then the fairy godmother's like, no, you can't, you can't do that. Didn't I sing you an entire song about how kids don't marry their parents? (laughs) Oh, no, it's little girls don't marry their daddies or something like that. That song is wild. Yeah. (laughs) I watched this um, interview with Jacques Demy on the Criterion channel, you know, like, each movie has little like DVD mm-hmm. extras attached to it. Uh, and he was talking about how when you ask little kids who they want to marry when they grow up, they always say their mommy or their daddy. Yeah. Uh, which I don't know if that's true. <laughs> um, or maybe it's been discouraged <laughs> since the right. 70s and the 60s. So I do want to mention that I like my best one of my best friends when I was like in the like third grade, third or fourth grade would say like you know who the handsomest man in the world is and i'm like who and she'd be like my daddy and she would carry Weird. like a picture of her dad from when he oh, was no. her age in her oh. little purse hmm so strange <laughs> but, right? okay but in that interview <laughs> that they said like uh <laughs> that's very strange but they said like uh the movie's like four little kids so it's like four kids who have right. that mentality still so like that oh. song is like almost like an actual lesson right. that you're supposed to learn. <laughs> so that that little girl that you went to middle school with uh, should have she should have watched, watched this. Movie. Yeah, <laughs> I know, I know. She would have learned. So much. Yeah, I could have recommended it. Right. I should have been like, you know, you should probably talk to a professional and watch Donkey Skin. Right. Yeah, y- y'all could have watched it together and like right before the the fairy godmother song. Like, okay, now let's okay. So let's be quiet. Let's pay Get attention. Out pen and paper. Take <laughs> notes. <laughs> Do not marry daddy. Okay. <laughs> got it. Got it. Um. Yeah. I. What was her? Was she the purple fairy or like the li- the, the lilac fairy? The lilac. Fairy, huh? yeah. Lilac fairy. Yeah. Love her. Delphine Seerig. Yeah. Know, she's so great. She's I so know. Sad. Last time we saw her, she was a lesbian vampire. Is that her best performance? I. I I've seen her in a few things since then, and every time I'm like, oh, I love her. She's from Daughters of Darkness. Like, my reference never changes. Yes, exactly. Exactly. I, phenomenal role. And she's just as fabulous in here, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I feel like oh, yeah. she was also in um, uh, Last Year at Marionbad, which is an extremely yeah. subdued performance in comparison. But I feel like the closer she is to Daughters of Darkness, the more I like her. Like, this role was, like, kind of inching towards that. She's this very sassy... I mean, she just wants to marry the king. That's what she wants. But, yeah, I I thought she was fantastic. I really liked this. Uh, I have, a, like, a... I feel like it's stuck between two different points. Like, uh, it feels like it's almost like high art. Like, that... Um, mm-hmm. Have you ever seen that 40s uh, Beauty and the Beast? Yes. Yeah, yeah, the, yeah. The French absolutely. one? Apparently, the king is the same 
Like that was like an intentional reference. Like the king is the same actor who played the beast in that. Oh. But also, it's half that, but it also feels like when we were kids, a lot of that like made for TV, like mm-hmm. live action Alice in Wonderland or mm-hmm. like uh those like Charles Band fantasy movies, like uh was the one with the duck people uh, that we watched? Magic in the Mirror. Yeah, like it has that kind of quality too. <laughs> like it's like it's half like a straight to VHS fairy tale from the nineties, mm-hmm. and then half like this like high art, yeah. um, just exquisite mm-hmm. beauty. Yeah. Um, and I found the tension between those two things very funny. Yeah, there. So I watched a little interview. I think it was the the woman who either I think it was the one who directed Love Witch. And she talked about this movie a little bit. And she was talking about how, like, I think uh, getting a, a similar thing that you're talking about, that there are these, like, beautifully researched um, 17th century gowns. And then there are all of these, like, gaudy, huge plastic, like, costume jewels stuck all over yeah, them. Yeah. Like, that is just... And everything is so saturated and like and vibrant and like beautiful and tacky. And I just like love being in this world. It's and it's totally it just presents what it is. And it doesn't really explain any of the visual like cool visual things. But it's like comfortable being what it is. Like I love the king's throne being a huge white cat. Oh, that that cat's great. Oh, I would die to have that piece of furniture this like i was so obsessed with like the whole set of this movie yeah like her bedroom where it looked like she had like a turf with flowers for like a bedspread it was just (laughs) it was like a mix of like woodland fairy magic with like old school fairy tale and then also kind of like goth it was so bizarre and i loved i like i ate all this up yeah oh it's delicious (laughs) it's delicious and i do love like kind of like you were saying earlier hana like how there's just a lot of like just inconsistencies with how everyone's dressed and things Mm -hmm. that are happening speaking of that like let's talk about this helicopter <laughs> I, was I, asked, I asked my dog if her it. mind was blown. <laughs> I looked over at Mika. I was like, "Is this blowing your right. mind?" It's a helicopter. <laughs> She's a dog. She doesn't care. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, like I was like, "Wait, what?" Like something felt off about like even it's a fantasy, but like something felt off about like the time period on it, and yeah. like when the helicopter hit, it's just like the icing on the cake of that it's like yeah. what is happening i love it even the helicopters like whimsical and it looks futuristic too mm-hmm. like it kind of felt like a um, spaceship futuristic right. helicopter and it was just wonderful it was perfect and i'm so glad that it was there you know like i find like it just it added like more to this like more layers to this like beautiful little work of art that's confusing and lovely yeah i will say the movie constantly surprised me like even though because it's a fairy tale it feels very familiar on like a narrative level like the first half almost has like a i don't know almost like a rumpelstiltskin thing going on oh yeah the second half is like very cinderella Mm -hmm. where the prince is like trying to find the woman's hand who matches the ring that he found oh cake yeah but in between all that, like the details, like 
when the prince is walking through the woods and he finds a rose that just has like a woman's mouth mm-hmm. in the middle of yeah, the petals that speaks with him. Yeah, how sick is that? It's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> or there's the lady, uh, kind of wit, not witch, but she's like the just kind of like a villager. <laughs> yeah, and she just spits toads every three right. lines. Like, yeah, every time she says something nasty, a toad just hops right. out of her mouth, and you're like, okay, uh, that's just something that happens to her. So that woman, like, okay, so whenever I was like when when I was growing up. If I didn't clean my bedroom, my mom would be like, oh, you are so young, you so young. Like, that's what everyone on the bayou, like, refers to, like, if someone's, like, me- if they have a messy house, it's like, oh, you have a mm. so young house. That witch said that so many times. Like, I was like, <laughs> she was like, so young, so young, which is, like, French for filthy. Oh. <laughs> I couldn't stop laughing. Like, that whole scene, I was like, oh, God, it's like me in my bedroom. Like, I felt like donkey skin. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> and she was my mother. <laughs> I'm donkey skin. <laughs> but yeah, I also the witch, not witch, what older woman was like strangely sweet <laughs> and endearing to me. I don't know why. I like so the second time watching this, it's like there are so many little things that I didn't notice the first time watching, and this woman. The second time I've rewound that little scene of hers like three times. Like first, she's like the uh, donkey skin. She says something donkey skin. Donkey skin says yes, ma'am, and she says you will call me old woman or you won't refer to me at all, <laughs> which I thought was <laughs> so funny. Then the frogs are coming out, and then she's like, "You'll start tomorrow. Everyone's asleep today." And there were, like, all of these people just standing around in the square. Like, I didn't even think about that the first time that I, I was like, what? Like, this is yet another thing that is not explained at all. And it, I don't know. It's just, like, th- that old woman brought me a lot of joy this time around. I like that, yeah, the movie just is packed with, like, surprising details like that. Mm-hmm. But it never gives much time to them. Yeah. Even the introduction of the donkey um who's beloved by all like balthazar uh <laughs> like you watch him shit rubies and then you don't think about him again until he's skinned oh he's dead uh, yeah <laughs> oh and um, the skin has his little feet hanging <laughs> yeah oh, and the inside of it is uh, so very muscular the inside. and red. yeah 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 they show that a couple times and it's like oh this is straight up dried Horror. flesh <laughs> yeah (laughs) but yeah then you have stuff like the helicopter is just kind of this momentary weird thing that's just like uncommented upon and then there's stuff that they do dwell on and it's like she spends like five or six minutes singing a a cake baking (laughs) recipe and it's like this is lovely yeah like uh like the movie's like more interested in the cakes and the pretty dresses and things like that than they are in like the really like over the top details you just kind of like take them in stride you kind of one's gonna come you kind of forget that her dad wants to marry her like the incest is like heavy in the beginning and then i i don't know i was like really into like you know her sewing in her big sun dress and then i'm Mm -hmm. like oh yeah that's the dress she wore to like marry her dad (laughs) shit (laughs) okay i have a question Mm -hmm. do do y'all have a favorite dress between the sun moon and weather dresses oh the moon interesting love the moon dress I really liked the weather dress. Me too. Yeah, I was just like, like when I saw that dress come out, I felt like a child. I was like, this is pure wonder. And it made me think of like how I just, I mean, maybe I'm projecting this, but I felt like how excited everybody must have been to like 
put that dress on the screen and how it just seemed like such a fun idea like how do you communicate that idea on film and I thought they had a really like cool clever way of doing that and it was just like yeah it was very dreamy yeah it had like a Wizard of Oz kind of quality yeah. to it. it was like actual like pure magic right yeah I would die for a like um donkey skin princess dress runway show yes <laughs> where like they peel the dress away and it, you come out in the weather dress oh. and you peel it away and then it's the moon and you peel it away and it's the sun and then the last is you know you reveal you're a donkey <laughs> i feel like if you're gonna do a big like drag runway those poof sleeves need to be like so obnoxious oh like you have to be oh. really exaggerated like a drag already very version big. of that dress <laughs> oh my god it reminds me of like the dresses that are in style right now the selkie dresses do you know what i'm talking about oh those are great mm-hmm. yeah it reminds me a lot of those <laughs> I get advertised a lot those a lot on social media and then every now and then I click on them and I'm like, that is like six, seven hundred dollars. Yeah. Come on. <laughs> yeah, they're so expensive and I'm like, I would look like the way that like my body is and my face shape and everything, I would look like a giant baby. They kinda are baby yeah, dresses. It's right? a hard shape to w- I think they're so pretty, but yeah, you, the proportions are interesting. <laughs> yeah it's yeah. like they like the waist is under like where your right, breasts are right and then right it poofs out there. and stops and it under stops your butt your crotch yeah right. yeah right there yeah i mean it basically turns your body into a marshmallow you're like a little like like pastel marshmallow yeah so if it's selkie dress versus donkey skin dress it's donkey skin dress that's oh, how yeah. the selkie dress should be <laughs> but yeah like the fashion here is like amazing and I love the crew. Like the um the I guess the kingdom's tailor crew that's makes her all these dresses in like a split second. <laughs> so yeah. out. <laughs> They're God so pissed. <laughs> right. I, I thought that was kind of fun. The color of the weather? Yeah. <laughs> that's great. <laughs> Honestly, they like pulled off a miracle with that first one. Oh, and yeah. then uh for the moon and the sun, they're like I don't know. Just make it shiny and expensive. <laughs> I don't know what she wants. Right. <laughs> Ooh, I did like the effect of the sun dress coming out that when she steps out and then like the oh, moon. Oh, yeah. Light. Ooh, that was so fun. Oh, Wonderful. Yeah. So many little tricks here. I know. So, Brittany, does this satisfy your like uh, recent fantasy fling even though it's not 80s? Like <laughs> the atmosphere is very different. It does. So, yeah, I'm it kind of like got me interested. Like this reminds me a lot of like Czech movies, and we did an episode on that. Oh yeah, mm, yeah. it made me feel a lot yeah. of that. Like uh, Valerie and her Week of Wonders. Yes. Um, have you ever watched the Singing Ringing Tree? No. Mm-hmm. It reminded me of that. Like just those like you know old, you know foreign. I know this is a French film, but I, I want to say the Singing Ringing Tree might be German. Don't quote me though. I'm not sure. There's a lot of like Russian and Czech films. Like right. That like Russian and just like, you know, European fantasy. I guess film. I should say Soviet, not Russian for right. historical accuracy. <laughs> right. Oh, you're right. So, yeah, uh, I I loved it. I loved, loved, loved it. I would like to get it on uh, on DVD. Yeah. Because I'm sure like the artwork. And I know this is like probably Criterion's collection. So they probably have like really cool artwork and 
special features. I would love to like watch this with a commentary, yeah. a little behind the scenes, you know, or back of house story kind of stuff. I bet you it was really cool. Did you happen to see um, the 40s Beauty and the Beast? I, I couldn't remember if you said yes earlier. Um, I, I do. Um, but I don't like remember it vividly. I think I saw it like in probably in one of my first years of college. And I remember it got me to start watching the Beauty and the Beast with Ron Perlman because it had the same vibe to me. Um, <laughs> yeah, but yeah it's, it. it's been a long time. I was thinking a lot about it during this mm-hmm. and the, the interview too, where they you know pointed out the actor was the same. They also said this was like the second fairy tale made in France since World War Two. Really. Like those are the only Ooh. two. Oh wow! Oh, up until 1970, which I I don't know how that's possible. But what? Uh, <laughs> wow! I don't know. So maybe it was taking a lot of like cues from that film. Yeah, um, maybe intentionally. Yeah, I think it's like very irreverent. I mean, I it almost felt like a parody of fairy tales, especially since it like there are some elements of the Charles Perrault story that it upends a little bit. I mean, I think especially the uh, princess's relationship with her father is like subverted a little bit, even though it ends up working out as it does in the fairy tale. But it's, so it's a little irreverent, but still like very much dedicated to this world that it's created, but has a lot of the same like whimsy as the beauty and the beast. But now in gorgeous Technicolor yes. or, <laughs> or whatever yeah. color processing they did, it's very vivid. Yeah. And like you said earlier, like borderlines on tacky, but like in such a beautiful way. Right. Exactly. Um, yeah. Well, next week on the show, we're going to talk about another Criterion Channel movie. Uh, Boomer and I are going to discuss how to get ahead in advertising ah. uh, with Richard E. Grant. I don't, I don't know if you all have seen that one. I have not. No. Uh, it's Richard E. Grant plays a advertising exec who gets so stressed out that he grows a boil on his neck oh. and then the boil um grows a face and starts talking <gasps> yes. to him yes yes wow. yeah. it's yeah. really really weird oh my god that sounds great i can't wait <laughs> and uh in the meantime check out swapflix.com i like i said i've been sick so i've not been writing much but um i would like to point people to a review of neptune frost i wrote this week which I think is my favorite movie I've seen so far this year. Ooh, as far cool. as new releases go. Amazing. Do y'all have like a favorite new release from 2022? Oh, gosh. Like anything that's like a clear front runner? No, I don't know. I really like The Northman. <laughs> it's very good. I know. I'm like, I don't want to, like part of me is like, oh, it should be something else because like that's yeah. probably going to be like an obvious favorite, but it's so fabulous. And maybe that Father of the Bride remake with Gloria Estefan. (laughs) (laughs) Can't say I saw that one. Oh, it's great. But I feel like the movie that made me cry the most was um, Aline. (laughs) But I don't know. I'm going to have to say that. I can't can't let that be my my favorite. I say lean in. Okay, all right. (laughs) Just go in for it. I'll lean for Celine. Se porte autour du cou, le cœur est fou. Quatre bras serrés qui s'enchaînent, l'âme sereine, comme un foulard de blanche laine, l'amour s'enroule.
au plus 